One of the hardest things that we have to say on occasion is, I need help. Wives, if you've ever been driving with a husband and he's sort of lost and he's not going to look at directions, right? Because he doesn't need, he can find it. I know some of you men are out there like that, right? Even with the onset of the iPhone, you refuse to look at a map and find directions. Uh, another thing that popped in my mind, watch this clip real quick. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. For some reason, that popped into my mind. So if you are a fan of Saturday Night Live, back, I think it was the 80s, right? Let's name a couple of things. 80 Saturday Night Live, and that is Al Franken, our state senator. <laughs> that's not a political statement at all. We don't do that here. But it popped in my mind because I think there is something wired into us as American Christians that we're good enough, we're strong enough, we don't need to ask for help. We've got it figured out. We don't have to lean on anybody. It's hardwired into the reality of our minds. And we come to a psalm which teaches a very different word. It encourages us to see God as the one who actually helps. Before we jump in the text, let me give some background to the idea of psalms. We did a little bit last week. We want to do it again. Psalms are very different than reading like the epistles of Paul. It's very different than looking at a mathematic equation. Psalms are poetry. It's a song. It teaches us in a different way about the story of God. And this psalm is part of what are called the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 to 134 is a group of 15 psalms that as faithful Jews every year, as they would make the journey from wherever they lived up to the temple, and it was, a, it was always a journey up, as they would make this, this, this journey of ascent, this traveling journey up to the temple, they would say these psalms. That Jesus, think about this, Jesus even said and sung these psalms as he walked the road up to the temple. It's intriguing for a, a faithful Jew. They, they didn't compartmentalize God like we tend to do, right? We're, we're pretty good at sort of, God, I'm going to give you Sunday morning, that little segment, and then I'm going to give you maybe a little small group time, maybe Wednesday night my kids will go to some kids programming, but we sort of give God a, a certain amount of time. And what's intriguing in the Old Testament is the idea was that God was God of everything. If you go to Deuteronomy 6, in Deuteronomy 6 we have the Shema. The Shema is the core statement of faith for a faithful Israelite. And it is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And if you go on in that passage, what it says is, write it on the doorpost, put it wherever you can in your house, remind you that that is the God that you're supposed to love. And then when you're sitting down and when you're standing up, when you're waking up, talk about this all the time because we need to wrap the whole of our existence around Yahweh, around this God. And so the Psalms were to remind them that God is God and all of God. And this one is specifically around the idea of help. They're from a very different time. They're from thousands of years ago, but I, I think they echo something in the core of our human existence, that we are in need of a relationship with the divine. And that's what this psalm points us towards. Let me pray before we read down through it. Father, I pray that these would be words that are good, that are encouraging. This is a psalm, God, that reminds us that you are a personal God who wants to be in whatever it is with us. 
So God, I pray that we would see you for all that you are. And then in seeing, we would invite you into our lives, some for the first time, some of us for the thousandth time, that we would take one step closer to that loving relationship with you. I pray this in your name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all God's people said. Amen. Generally, what we do around Crossview is we take a passage of Scripture and we sort of read down through it and break it down, and that's what we're doing with the Psalms. So Psalm 121, starting in verse 1. Starts off by saying, as they are, remember, this is so important when we're interpreting Scripture. One of the most important things to do is understand what it would have been heard like, the context that it's in. So imagine they are singing this, they are saying this as they're walking up a road to the temple to Passover. And here's how it starts I lift my eyes to the mountains. Not the metaphorical mountains, literally on a road looking to the side, and there's mountains. That's what they see. Some of your translations say hills. But when they looked to the mountains, it probably carried some different meaning for them. For some, they would look into the hills and they came from some type of pagan worship. And the hills represented where they worshiped their deities, their gods, small g gods. And it reminded them of something that, 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 that correlated with that. For others, when they looked to the mountains... If you grew up in Colorado, if you grew up in God's state, it reminded you of the majesty of God's creation. If you've ever been out on some uh, mountain, looking out across a mountain range, and you, you just, uh, there is the presence of a creator loving God. But for most of them, for most of these Israelites who are traveling up to the temple for worship, what it probably would have represented was the fact that evil existed all around them. It's just like the story of the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan traveling along, along this road and he gets beat up by thieves, right? That's what outside of town on these roads, as they're traveling towards the temple, that's normally what the mountains represented, that in the caves, in the crevices, there were things that could jump out and get them, whether it be a robber, a thief, a wild animal. When they looked to the hills, there was this sense, this is an impending idea, that there was something painful that could possibly happen. And that's the good word for us today. Is that when we see, for a lot of you, when you see certain things, it, it brings up memories of pain. It maybe brings up a memory of a current pain. I remember when Stacey, a couple years ago, had just a horrible car accident. And a couple months later, as she was able to get in the car and drive again, just that, very, I remember the conversations all vividly, getting into that seat reminded her of the pain that had happened, Right? And for some of you, you look around at life, you look around at relationships, you look around at certain things, and it reminds you that there is evil out there, there is pain that at times can be coming in on you. So we keep reading. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I see it all around me. There's, there, there, there's something that's going to get me. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that is the echo again. In this psalm, it's just said in different ways. There's bad stuff out there. It could possibly get me. It may be getting me right now. But God is my help. And we're going to break down that idea of help because that's so important. Does help mean that God's going to sought? Nah, what does help mean? The psalmist is saying, it's all around me. And I believe there's a loving creator God who wants to be my Help. It's similar to Psalm 139, verses 9 and 10, where it says, If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, and the sea and the ocean in the Old Testament represented evil. 
If I dwell in that furthest place where it feels like I'm all alone, apart, afar from God and all that is, the promise is this. Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will, be, will support me. Then we jump down to verse 3. It says this. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. If you remember literature classes growing up, it's like you see certain themes again and again and again. You see the word watch again and again and again. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. In many of the pagan religions of that day, there was an idea that the gods would actually take naps, that they would sleep. And during those times when the gods were sleeping or taking naps, you didn't dare wake them up. And what the psalmist says here is, that is not Yahweh. That is not your God. Your God doesn't sleep. Your God is there. Your God is present. And then he echoes it again, verse 6. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. They, they actually had this idea in this, the ancient Near East that the moon, moon's rays carried some of the same harming qualities that the sun did. This is, where the, 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 this is where this is not a science book. What it is, it's a book about God. It's about God and us. And when during the day and when at night, they thought there were things that could harm them. The psalmist is trying to say, this is a different God. The Lord will keep you from harm, whether it's at day or during the night. He'll watch over your life. And then I love the ending. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now, both in the present, both where whatever it is you're in, and forevermore. That it's present and it's eternity. If you've been around Crossview, we so believe that there is an eternal hope for those who put their faith and trust in God. And it's so important that we understand that that eternal hope is now present in the future too. Pre now, now present in our lives. That we can experience that hope. We can experience the presence of God in the now. So it brings us back. People who have a challenging time saying, I need help. And I think the question behind it is this. Where do you turn when you're in trouble? Where do you turn when you're in trouble? And we turn to so many different things. We turn to so many different things. We turn to substances. We turn to power. We turn to money. We turn to unhealthy habits. We tend to go to so many places. So many idols, as you might say. I love the words that in Samuel's farewell speech to the people of Israel. And they're wondering what's going to go on. Samuel was a prophet, a great leader. And so what's going to happen after he leaves? They've not been the people that they were supposed to be. And Samuel says this to him in chapter 12, verse 20 of 1 Samuel. Don't be afraid. Samuel reassured them, you have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. And then listen to this. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They're totally useless. And when it comes to the idea of help, when it comes to those places where we need to say it, we tend to turn to worthless idols. Not an actual idol on, on, on a table or something like that, but the idols all around us. The idols of prosperity, of wealth, of power, of overeating, 
of alcohol, of drugs. And we think that somehow in those things we will find the help we need when we never do. They don't satisfy. And that's what the psalmist is trying to say. There's a different answer. The idea of asking for help is hard. And breaking down, like, what does it mean to help? Is, what, what does it mean for Israel? What does it mean for us now to ask for help? Does that mean that God's going to jump in and solve everything? Or does that mean that God's going to make life easy? And I think we all look at Scripture and we say, that's not what help means, right? That's not what the narrative of Scripture tells us that help is all about. It's not escaping from our problems. That's not what God says, go run away from them. God doesn't pro- promise if you believe more and more and more that life's going to get better and better and better, right? That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That's not the reality of the brokenness in which we live, that we do need help at times. Often most of the time. And the promise here is not getting rid of whatever it is in your life. Although I believe at times God will deliver. The promise is not just an easy life. The encouragement is not to escape it, just get out of the the pain that you're in. I think maybe the best imagery for us is the best parent-child relationship you can think of. In that really amazing parent-child relationship, you have a father and a mother who are loving their child and, and trying to make them all they can be, but they don't make every decision for them, right? And sometimes you let them walk through things that aren't fun on the journey of life. And you could go on and on and on. And once again, that's a human way of trying to get our minds around God. God God is the one who wants to be present with you in whatever it is you're going through. One of my favorite books, probably the last 20 years, Eugene Peterson wrote a book on the Psalms of Ascent called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. In his chapter on Psalm 121, he says this. And I think it gets around the idea of what help actually is. The promise of the psalm, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it in this way, listen, is not that we shall never stub our toes, but here's the promise, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, will be able to separate us from God's purpose in us. And the New Testament says it, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where we stake our claim. That's what we believe in. When the worst circumstances are happening, the help that we believe in is that God is fully present in us, bringing hope. This, this Psalm 121, it's dependence theology. It's putting all of our trust in the fact that God is God and God wants to be present in that with us. Many have said that Psalm 121, it's a song for travelers. People on the road of life. The journey towards the temple, the journey that you're in, this is what this psalm is for. One of the most simple ways I wrapped my mind around it growing up, um, I had three siblings and my parents, and 
for some reason, we always did road trips in the car and never in planes. I don't know why that is, but I don't care where we were driving, from Colorado to Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. to I mean, it was always in our little Toyota Corolla. Don't remember car seats. Remember, like, camping out in the back as we're driving along. Um, but there is this thing that happened on every trip. Before we would leave our driveway, my dad would pray. And he would just pray that God would be with us on our trip. Would keep us safe for sure. Would simply pray that God would be with us. And I think that's what this psalm is getting out at in a beautifully simple way. That the God of the universe, the creator God, the maker of all things, is also the God who came to be with us, to save us, to reconcile us. And he wants to be your help. That's the good news. If you're wondering about this whole Jesus thing, the good news is that people who say we need help, who understand that we are broken, that we are sinners in need of God, the good news is when we say help, God says, I'm there. And I'm all that you need. And for a lot of us in this journey, I think Psalm 121 gives us the practical advice that we just need reminders. You see, for the faithful Israelites traveling up to the temple, they, they knew this, but they needed to say it so they actually got it in the moment, looking at the hill, wondering if something's going to jump out and beat them. They just needed the reminder in the moment. It may happen, but God's still my help. And so, I encourage you to do the same thing. What if you and your small group or you and your family or just you individually memorize Psalm 121? And when things seem like they're closing in, like it be, it's maybe becoming too much on the way home from work and you're wondering if you're going to make it through another week, that you just say Psalm 121 out loud. You pray that you pray it as a family. Because we need friends, and I say we. We all need this constant, beautiful, hopeful reminder that there is a God who wants to be our help. And I think maybe the best way to ask the question is, where do you turn when you need help? Where do you go? And we see the God of Psalm 21 in the heart of Jesus Christ. I love Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the good news is God always moves towards you. Will you ask for help? Jesus, we pray that this beautiful news, good news, hopeful news, there's a living God who is not disconnected, who's not running, but this is the God who doesn't sleep, who moves towards us, who came, who died, who rose again. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to the constant posture of needing your help, of needing your presence, of needing your grace. God, for some in this room, it's the first time of just admitting that they are in need of you. 
God, I pray that you would be life there, that as they trust in you, as they put their faith in you, God, that you would be their help. And for those of us who've been in it for a long time or maybe a short time, God, I pray that our posture would be, we always need your help because it is good and present help in times of trouble. Pray this in your name. Amen.